We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, all right, all right. Irish Breakdown Nation, IB Nation, we are back with another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. You know that dude right there. That's Ryan Roberts. I hope you know me. I'm Brian Driscoll, and we are ready to dive into another breakdown of this Notre Dame-BYU matchup. This is a very big matchup, Ryan. We are also going to do a mailbag at the end after we're done breaking this down. So if you have some mailbag questions, you can start throwing them in there now. If you have super chat ones, we'll definitely get to those. And those are much appreciated. But Ryan, let's dive into this matchup of Notre Dame-BYU. And I want to kind of say something big picture at the beginning. And I noticed something in the chat yesterday in the show that Sean and I were doing. And I think you've noticed it on the message board and on Twitter as well. I don't think a lot of Notre Dame fans appreciate how good this BYU football team is. Especially people who only watched them last week against Utah State. Number one, they did not play well against Utah State. Notre Dame lost to Marshall. And two of their best players didn't play in that game, Puka Nakua yeah. and, and Tyler Batty. So we'll get into a lot of that. But this is a good football team. Should Notre Dame beat them? Yes. The reason it's important for people to understand how good this football team is at BYU and the fact that they're 8-2 and two against Power 5 teams the last two years is because if you don't appreciate how good they are, then if Notre Dame wins, then you don't appreciate how good of a win that would be and how important of a win that would be. And that's the reason that we're – trying to get people to understand that this is a quality football team. It's not yeah. Ohio State. It's not Clemson or Georgia. We're not saying that. This is a legitimate top 25 football team. And I think a team that Notre Dame is going to have to bring their, you know, bring their A game to beat them convincingly and at least be the bring their BB plus game if they're going to win. This is a this is going to be a good matchup for Notre Dame and a matchup as we discussed yesterday, Ryan, that's going to tell us a lot about this Notre Dame football team. And we'll see a little bit more of that as we dive into the stats to kind of show people where BYU is dangerous, where Notre Dame can take advantage. But people need to appreciate that this is a good football team that Notre Dame mm-hmm. is going to be playing on Saturday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I never dreamed I would talk this much about coffee, especially since I'm not really a coffee drinker. But ever since we first tried trade coffee, my coffee-loving wife is not only hooked, but I've even started to drink coffee. And I've got my mom hooked on it as well. Let me tell you about trade coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. I've told you about our collection, the rich, sweet flavor of the Big City Roast from Joe Coffee, the full flavor of the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, where you can actually taste the malted milk balls. We love it. And if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is that you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take the coffee quiz like we did and get expertly matched with the coffees that you'll love. Trade is the easiest way to get your very best tasting coffee delivered fresh when you need it. You've got nothing to lose because Trade guarantees you will love your first bag. If not, they'll work with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order, plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash irish. That's drinktrade.com slash irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the world. Give it a shot. I mean, you just said the record against Power 5 teams, right? Like, it's 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 not it's not like a... It's not like a just a smoke and mirror show, right? With BYU, like this is a quality football team. I agree completely, Brian. And it's it's something where, I mean, on paper, and that's why I'm happy that we're doing the show today. On paper, the, I think that the stats kind of back up what I saw on film with this BYU team. It's a different football team than I thought I was getting, and I think yeah. there are some preconceived notions from people yeah. about what BYU football is and what they're going to be good at and what their strengths are going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you s- see the numbers kind of match what I saw on film personally, it tells me that this, this team is going, not going to be an easy out. And I think no. that you saw Vegas put the line out. I think it was started at two and a half and now it's up to three or something like that. So like mm-hmm. even Vegas thinks this is going to be a close, highly contested football game. And it's a big game for both teams, obviously with mm-hmm. the Shamrock series, but also BYU is continuing to prove that they belong on this national stage and that they are that top 25 caliber football team year in and year out. So I think it's a massive, opportunity for Notre Dame to really because last week or two weeks ago now against North Carolina you're like okay step in the right direction not a great North Carolina team though at least not on the defensive side of the football yeah. so you're like is that a hollow I don't want to call it a hollow victory because no victory is hollow yeah it's not hollow at all but it's it, no. it can be misleading 
yes. at least on one side of the ball for Notre Dame. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, so did is your offense really taking that step forward, or is it just the other, uh, you know, the the lesser of two evils that like, hey, the defense that you're playing weren't wasn't great, so it's like meeting in the middle somewhere. We will have a big determination of just how much improved this Notre Dame team is this week because they are right. playing against a quality football team against a quality football team on a neutral site and a team that wants to beat you, like they yes. want to beat Notre and Dame, so beat you. And there's a lot at stake for BYU. I mean, they're still a one-loss team. This is going to be a wild college football season. BYU has a great chance to be the highest-ranked non-Power 5 team, which would get them into a major bowl. They're going to have to beat Notre Dame to have a chance to do that. And they've got some other Power 5 wins. And we talked about their 8-2 and record over Power 5 teams the last two years. Now, obviously, they had a loss to Baylor last year. Baylor went on and won the Big Twelve and won the Sugar Bowl, and they lost. They but they got re, they got a re, rematch against Baylor this year, beat them in overtime. Their other loss was to Oregon, who's a pretty good football team right now. They beat USC at USC last year. They smashed Virginia last year, hung up over sixty points. They beat Utah last year convincingly last season. Also beat Arizona, Arizona State. So this is a good football team. They are very different from last year, Ryan. Even you talk yeah. about what people expect. They're not even what I expected when I started watching them play this year. And when you look at what I thought they were going to be good at compared to where they were last year, and that's what we're going to kind of dive into. So what we do today in this part of our matchup, this or this breakdown, this stacking up breakdown, is we're going to compare different aspects of the game. And it's Notre Dame's rush offense against the rush defense of BYU. I think those are the comparisons that matter. Not like which team has the better rushing offense because those two things don't go against each other. Mm-hmm. And and we'll kind of do then the pass offense against the pass defense scoring and from both units, and then we'll flip it and look at Notre Dame's defense compared to the BYU offense. And then with each one of those sections, Ryan, we'll also talk about some of the personnel matchups that are going to be key to Notre Dame having success, or that maybe worry us a little bit when we talk about this BYU football team. So the first thing that I want to bring up, Ryan, is I want to bring up rush offense against rush defense. Mm-hmm. And this is probably the matchup to me that is most important for Notre Dame and not not even just from a keys to victory standpoint. We'll discuss that more tomorrow. But just from a what are we going to learn about this football team standpoint, right? Because when you look at BYU, they have struggled the last couple of years against the run. And it's not just this year. It's not just, well, you know, they've had some guys out like Tyler Batty was out against Utah State last week. That matters. He's, in my opinion, there, and I and I believe yours as well. He's their best defensive lineman. Oh yeah, they didn't have him last week, but they haven't been good even when he has played at stopping the run. And we saw it this year, and we also saw it last year too, Ryan, because this was a team that wasn't great at stopping the run last season. You know, they're giving up, as we see here, one hundred fifty nine point eight yards per game. Well, last year in this matchup, they or last year on their rush defense, they gave up 157 rushing yards per game. And in the last two years, we've talked about how they're eight and two against power five teams. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry, s- uh, seven and two against power five teams. They were six and one last year. They're one and one so far this year. So seven and two in those nine games, Notre Dame or BYU has given up over 180 rushing yards per game, even in wins. And then in the four losses they've had the last two years, they've given up 219 and a half rushing yards per game. So yep. you want to beat BYU, run the football, right? And they've been really inconsistent at stopping the run. Sometimes they look good, sometimes they don't. This is one of the things that surprises me watching them the last two years because they are big up front. They're mm-hmm. pretty physical up front, at least, well, at times. 
and they've got really good linebackers. So I'm going to be honest. It took me a while to kind of figure out why they're not better stopping the run. And we'll get into that a little bit during this, but this is the matchup that this is their weakness against what has been a weakness for you for more of the season than it has been a strength. This is the area that we find out, Ryan. Did Notre Dame truly turn a corner on offense, especially running the ball against B- against North Carolina, or are this is this a team that's still going to kind of struggle? Because BYU is more like Cal than they mm-hmm. are North Carolina in that how they're coached, how they line up, and the fact that they're a big front. They're not nearly as good as Cal, but they are size-wise like Cal. And Notre Dame had a little bit of some problems with the size of Cal as far as moving them off the ball uh, early in the game. Now, eventually they got it going. So I'm really intrigued by this matchup, Ryan. I gave the advantage to Notre Dame in my breakdown, Mm -hmm. and I have the written form of this breakdown online. Uh, But I am very curious to see if Notre Dame can – turn the on-paper matchup into an actual – or turn the on-paper advantage into an actual advantage because they're going to need to if they want to win this football game. Over-encompassing is that we're going to see if Notre Dame offensively has taken the next step, Ryan. But to your point, and I agree a billion percent, this is the indicator right here, right? If this this is the step forward that Notre Dame needs to take. We saw the offensive line look world's better la- the last time they played two weeks ago now or a little week and a half, whatever you want to say. They looked a whole lot better against North Carolina. Is that a step or is that a little bit of a, you know, a a falsity, I guess, is is what we want to call it. Yeah, it's a a false sense of hope, right? Because you played a team that's really bad at stopping the run. Exactly. Exactly. So this is a step where if Notre Dame's able to establish a run game and be consistent with it all day, I think that that is a very positive step and an indicator that, yes, Notre Dame is taking a step forward because, like you said, this might not be quite a good team stopping the run as a Cal team, but this is still a pretty quality football team for the most part. They have talent up front is what I should say. You mentioned Tyler Beatty early on, big defensive lineman. They have not been as good up front, I think, in a couple of years. I remember when they had you remember when they had Kyrus Tonga, oh, who was yeah. like a big nose tackle. Like he was a difficult player to move his last year with Zach Wilson. And I think that's when you saw the run defense. At its best, I just don't think that they have quite the interior defensive linemen that they've had in the past. But to your point, when Notre Dame's, I mean, when Notre Dame's, when BYU's linebackers are left free and willing to run, I mean, Ben Bywater and Peyton Wilgar and Tooley and those guys, like they're pretty decent football players, man. Like there's some talent on that second level. So for me, to your point, Notre Dame's offensive line needs to dominate this football game. Right. They need to set a tone. We saw the the flashes of how good Blake Fisher could be last week. He needs to be more consistent with it and take another step forward. And that goes yeah. to the whole offensive line and the entirety. Notre Dame has an advantage, I think, not even just rush defense, rush offense versus rush defense for a second. They have the advantage offensive line versus defensive line, and they have to take advantage of it in this football game. Because when you look at this BYU football team, Ryan, defensively, they've had a couple games they did struggle to stop the run from a yardage standpoint. They gave up 212 yards to Oregon. They gave up 204 to, to Utah State. They were they only gave up 152 to Baylor, but that was an overtime, and they only allowed Baylor to rush for 2.9 yards per carry. They held South Florida to 4 yards per carry and Wyoming to 3.7 yards per carry. Now, Wyoming's not a great rushing team, right? I mean, so, you know, they're not a great offensive team, period. Um, you know, they're averaging about 153 yards a game right now, rushing the football. So, you know, Wyoming that you, you held Wyoming to kind of to, to below where they are in this matchup, you know, w- with where they are in their season total. 
you know, so, but when, so when I look at this team and I say, you know, they haven't been getting ripped up with like a bunch of big runs. Oregon's really the only team that had much success. Utah State had like a couple 20-somethings, you know, a couple big runs. that. But there was also a lot of plays in that game where Utah State tried to run the ball on third and one, fourth and one. It got stuffed. Mm-hmm. And so they came up big. So it's one of those things where can you run on them? Yes. But the point is you have to earn those yards. And that's why I like this matchup. It's not because – boy, this is a team that should stop you from running the ball. That's not what we're saying. What I am saying, though, is to run on them, you have to earn that. Oregon made a concerted effort to run the ball on them, and it worked. BYU made a concerted – or, excuse me, Baylor made a concerted effort to try to run on BYU, and it didn't work. Which one will this be? Will Notre Dame be able to go out and run? Because if they play like they did against Marshall up front, if they play like they did against Ohio State up front, if they play like they did early against Cal up front, they won't run the ball on BYU. If they play like they did against Cal or in the second half, and if they play like they did against North Carolina, then they will, which is, again, going to tell us just what this team has done. And I think the matchup that I'm most intrigued by, Ryan, is going to be the tackle matchup in the run game. Now, BYU does some really funky stuff up front. I shouldn't say funky. I mean, it's it's basically they're an an odd front in their alignment, but they're a four-down front team in their personnel. Mm-hmm. And they'll they'll slide their fronts and do some evens over and unders and stuff, but they do a lot of odd stuff. They'll base out of the odd, then shift out of it, and it puts their two big ends, who are you know two hundred seventy five plus pounds, on the Notre Dame tackles, and then they'll slant and they'll you know kind of come off of them. At times they'll come off and just kind of read and react, and try to occupy blockers to let the running back to let the linebackers flow. That's what they do up front. Would you agree with that, Ryan? 100%. And so that's why they get those big guys. So to me, the best way to beat that and the teams that have had success against them, so Oregon, for example, really killed them with their zone stuff and their counter stuff. Because what they did was is they got really good movement on the double teams, and they especially had success running outside. And Sean talked about this yesterday. Utah State, a lot of their success came on stretch and outside zone because you get those big boys moving and then push forward, and it makes it a lot easier to then get off to the linebackers. Yep. Because what they're trying to do is keep your front occupied so the linebackers can read and flow to the ball. And for the most part, they're all pretty disciplined, instinctive guys. And so especially they're two inside guys. So I think that's going to be a key, Ryan, is, is can the tackles get movement on the mm-hmm. on the big guys on the edge? I actually like this matchup up the middle for Notre Dame at center and guard. I think this should should favor Notre Dame. Now they've got to execute it. But I think the tackle matchup is going to be interesting, not just against the two, the, the five techniques or the four eyes, but also when they have Beatty on the edge. So yeah. I'm very curious about that. And I think this is also a game where the Notre Dame tight ends are going to have to block well because mm-hmm. of the way that US, BYU lines up. So we're, we're going to learn a lot about the young tackles in this game because that's the area where Notre Dame could have some problems, yep. in my opinion, if they're not able to run the football. I mean, like you said, they have size on the edge. I mean, you mentioned Tyler Beatty. They'll also run some under fronts, like you said, and they'll put like Peyton Wolgar up on the line of scrimmage and let him be kind of that physical physical edge setter at 6'3", 245-plus pounds. Like, he's their biggest linebacker, right? So they're going to attack the edges a ton on Notre Dame. They're going to try to establish, but to your point, it hasn't really worked a ton, right? Like, they're much more – they're a team that's built inside out. That's why they've been able to – get run on a little bit. And, you know, when I kind of did the breakdown of the defensive players for BYU, I mean, I kind of talked about that a little bit, Brian. Like, I think that there's a couple players like Thule on the second level and even Bywater who are good athletes. But for the most part, 
your front seven is built around being physically dominant on against the offensive line in theory and using your length to occupy and to spill things, right? This is not a incredibly fleet of foot front seven, in my opinion. It's a lengthy physical front seven. Mm-hmm. So getting to the edges, I think, can be very advantageous to your opportunities to run the football. And I think that sets up perfectly for Chris Tyree. You know, like I want to see Chris Tyree matched up in space against these linebackers. Like I want to see there be a spot. And I'm, I know we're talking about rush defense and versus rush offense, but even in opportunities for Notre Dame to just get Chris Tyree out in space is a pass player in the run player. Cause I think that you can take advantages getting him isolated against a guy like a Peyton Wolgar who wants to play in the box on the line of scrimmage. Like that's not where his, his bread is buttered. Right. So I think that that's the biggest thing is you always want to make the opposition uncomfortable and right. working the edges getting into space, running the football off tackle, like those things I think could really loosen up this defense and make them extremely uncomfortable, in my opinion. And when you run up the middle, you have to get a body on their backers. That that's When their backers are able to fly downhill and ram into the linemen, that's when they have success. I'm also curious, Ryan, to see if they play more of Keenan Peely this week. Now, yep. they'll play like five different linebackers a lot. Thule and, and Bywater are, are good players. I think Bywater is a more – inside kind of guy Tooley yep. is rangy obviously Peyton Wilger's an outside kind of guy Peely's the one guy that I think can be a bit of a thumper inside some games they play him a decent amount some games that he's not much of a factor I think this is a game where if you watch Notre Dame against BY against North Carolina and Cal you got to be thinking to yourself we got to get him more involved in this because he's a guy that can match up a little bit so I'm curious to see if they try to match up in that regard against Notre Dame because the one thing that's weird about BYU they list like 15 different starters and, <laughs> yep. and like I have Ryan do this. Ryan does this recruiting comparison and, and, you know, you and so the one he sends me, he's got like 15. I'm like, dude, what is this? Like, what are you doing? Like you've done this before. And, I, and then I looked at their depth chart and I was like, Oh, this is absurd. So, uh, but the, the point is they can get into a lot of different looks, Ryan. And, and that's mm-hmm. the point. And they, I'm curious to see just exactly how they decide to match up against Notre Dame. I have a feeling, based on sort of what they've done so far this year, that or you know, or what Notre Dame, I should say, has done so far this year. I think we're going to see them be a lot more aggressive with their linebackers crashing and and having their safeties protect. Because right now, Notre Dame has not presented the kind of pass threat with their receivers to scare BYU. And if I'm BYU, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, I'm going to make them beat me throwing the ball down the field. They're not going to beat me with their – because what what bringing the running backs down into the box does, right, it allows them to – I mean, the safeties, and not only allows them to protect against the run game, but then allows them to be in position to see and run with the running backs in the pass game, which mm-hmm. that has been a weapon. They also – which we'll get into So uh, here in the next segment, but I think that also presents them some run game oper- – some run game uh, chances for success, which then allows them to trigger the linebackers more. I think we might because they're not a heavy blitz team. They're not a heavy run stunt team either, uh, Ryan. Lee, you know they'll like do a guy, but they're not like a heavy attack, bring seven guys type of defense. I think we might see more of that this week. I, I do. I think we might see a little bit more of that because I don't think they think that they can just sit back and r- run. You know, let let Notre Dame kind of come off and, and get their big lineman going because BYU has a pretty good sized defensive line, but this mm-hmm. is still a massive Notre Dame front. Right, And they're going to watch what this line did to Cal in the second half. And Cal has a big defensive line. And they're going to look at that and say, 
you know, Zeke Carell was moving that 330 pound kid off the ball in the second yeah. half. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you know, Jared Patterson was pushing, you know, Ray Vahasek around against North Carolina, Zeke Carell and, 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 and Jared Patterson. And that kid's 310 pounds. So I, I think they've what they've seen the last six quarters from Notre Dame, I think they know Notre Dame is capable of moving their big boys. So I don't think that they can just play the way that they've been in recent weeks. At least that's that's something I think Notre Dame needs to be prepared for in this game. Well, and I also think that you understand that that's how Notre Dame best functions, right? Like it's not even just the fact of like that they have been doing well on the offensive line. It's also to your point, right? Like Notre Dame has not been able to create explosive plays in the pass game consistently. So why would I why would I give them the benefit of the doubt if I'm the BYU defensive coordinator and say like, oh, but like I got to protect against the pass. Why? Why? Make them prove that they can do it. If they can't prove it, then you have to negate what Notre Dame does best right now. And for your, in your opinion, like your, 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 um, your perspective is the last six quarters, Notre Dame has had its bread buttered moving the line of scrimmage and running the football. Those are what everything has kind of been based out of and utilizing these running backs. So for a Notre Dame offensive line that again goes what 317, 308, 308, 319 or something like that and 327 or whatever, like it's somewhere in those ballparks, right? Across the offensive line. It's a big offensive line for Notre Dame. And what you want to cause havoc for them is to create make them have to move off of their track and to readjust their mindset and readjust their movements on the fly. You don't want them to just kind of like inside zone step. You're on your track. You're working up to the second level. You're comboing. Everything is just kind of on, on schedule, right? When you make a Blake Fisher second guess himself at 327 pounds where he has to readjust on the fly, that's where mistakes happen. So creating and havoc up front with movement, I think to your point, Brian is a hundred percent right because they know that Notre Dame wants to get off and they want to get a massive push and they want to establish the run game because you have not shown in the biggest games for the most part against the Oregons. I know people want to point to Oregon all day, right? Oregon just out physicaled this BYU defense. They did all day. That's the recipe for success in a, in a vacuum. And I think BYU also knows that like, Hey, there's been a team on the schedule, power five team, a good football team, that gave Notre Dame the recipe to beat us, right? So we need to negate sure. what they do well, and that's playing great all up front. I think the pro- this is where I think a lot of the misconceptions about BYU exist because that's the only game a lot of people have seen BYU play. And I would say, imagine what someone's opinion of Notre Dame is if the only game they've seen them play this year was against Marshall. Because Marshall pushed Notre Dame around on defense, right? I mean – does that mean that Marshall's a better team than Notre Dame or a more physical team? Or does that mean Notre Dame played like crap that day? That's not what you typically see from BYU. And like I saw somebody even in the chat said that there's a size disadvantage or a discrepancy between Notre Dame and BYU. No, there's not. BYU starting nose guard is 320 pounds. They're starting three technique. He also plays some five. Lorenzo Fautua is, is 310 pounds. Their backup nose guard is 305. They're two end players. John Nelson's 275. He looks bigger than that. Because him mm-hmm. and Tyler Beatty are both listed at 275. To me, John Nelson looks at least 10, 15 pounds bigger than Tyler Batty. Yep. And then Earl 202 Mariner is 288 pounds. He's another defensive end that'll play a bunch in this game. And so this is a big front. I think the thing that they're going to realize is, is this is one of those games, to your point, Ryan, where they don't have the size advantage with their front. And mm-hmm. what they've been able to do when they have had success at running the ball. <clears throat> is those big guys occupy blockers. 
Cal tried that. Cal's a very similar team. Now, they're very different schematically, but they're similar philosophically when it comes to their run defense, Ryan. And what I mean by that is use your big boys up front to eat up blocks and let your smart, instinctive linebackers run free. That's mm -hmm. what Cal likes to do. And Notre Dame didn't let him do that in the second half, and that's why Notre Dame ran the ball effectively. BYU is going to realize, okay, I don't think we can – maybe they tried early, but they're going to have to have something to counter that. And now, if Notre Dame can't push those guys off the ball, then they're going to struggle to run the ball effectively because then that allows the linebackers to read and react as opposed to being forced to, to stunt. If they can get those guys – if they can force Cal to trigger their linebackers more, which then results in somebody's got to replace them, right, which means more safeties triggering down in the box, more single high coverage, then that exposes them and other stuff on the perimeter. So the whole game plan, run, pass, all of it, screen, all of it, is going to be dependent upon Notre Dame winning this matchup. They yep. can and they should, but again, this is what we've talked about all week, Ryan. Yes, they should, but we cannot forget that less than a month ago, this is the same team that couldn't run on Ohio State. This is the same thing the team that couldn't run on Marshall, right? So they've got to prove. There's Notre Dame is still in show me mode. Beating yep. up on North Carolina doesn't erase the first ten quarters of the season. You know what I mean? And that's where I need to see it. Can they do it? Yes. Is it going to be easy? No. And that's what I think this matchup is. But I still think on paper and in practicality, Notre Dame has the advantage over BYU. They just have to exert it. And that's what's going to make this really interesting. Because the thing is now, teams now have a bit more data on who Notre Dame is without Tyler Buckner from a running mm -hmm. standpoint. Yep. Okay, so, hey, this is what they did. We saw what they did against Cal. We saw the adjustments that they did against North Carolina. They're running less duo. They're running more inside zone stretch. I even kind of think that they saw a little bit of a little bit of mid zone in, in mm -hmm. against North Carolina too. And so they're now adjusting. So Notre Dame has to be prepared for that. And so this is why we say this is a big game for Notre Dame. Because if Notre Dame can run the ball effectively on BYU, Ryan, that tells me that they have they have in fact turned the corner and it's not about beating up on a bad North Carolina defense anymore. I, I that's why I think this is an important part of this matchup. And I think you'll have a big indicate indication on it early, if I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. Like, there's some games where, like, you know, you, it's slow to get going, and then you just kind of chip away. Like, I think Notre Dame, if they're going to be successful running the football, you're going to know it in the first couple series. Like, I think that they, they are going to try to establish it early. Because, again, we're going to take a look at the, the BYU pass defense. It's a completely different story than what the run defense right. is at right now, right? So Notre Dame knows that, in theory, with how they've been playing the last game and a half, that they do have the advantage going into this one. But at the end of the day, to your point, mm -hmm. it's show-me season. It's show-me yep. season right now, man. But I think that the first couple of drives, you will know very early, yeah. is Notre Dame going to have a nice day running the football, or is it going to be a little bit of a struggle? I think we'll yeah. have have that indication pretty early on. I want to see how the line comes off the ball. Mm -hmm. We like <clears throat> The first drive against North Carolina, Notre Dame threw on two of their first three plays. So it was like, okay, you don't really know what's going on, three and out. Okay, what's happening here? The next drive, I don't even they didn't even score on the next drive, I don't think. Didn't they didn't they um go for it on fourth down and not get it? I'm trying to remember how that game uh, like it's it was a little bit of a, a weird weekend for me. But you could even see that next drive, even early. It's like one of those things where sometimes there's games where even though it's close early, you kind of feel like it's not. Yeah, they missed a field goal on their their second drive. And you know, I, I remember kind of sitting sitting back watching like the when when Alabama played Michigan State in the playoff in 2015. It was like what 10 nothing at halftime. 
Yeah. But you're like, this is not a 10-point game. Like, they have so thoroughly outplayed them. Like, the first year that Al- that Ohio State and Michigan played, I think it wasn't like 13-10 at halftime. And you're like, this is not a close game. And then second half, it ended up being like 42-13 to 13 or something like that. And you just watch, you're like, the score is not indicative of how this game is playing out. And I kind of felt like after the first drive of each game, of each team, so UNC had their first drive and Notre Dame had their first drive, after that, you immediately saw – that Notre Dame was going to impose their will on North Carolina on both sides of the ball. It was just about, okay, can they execute, right? We hadn't seen that in previous games. And it wasn't even just the competition stinks. And this is why we talked about this after the game. It was, you could see it in the footwork. You could see it in the hand play. You could see them hitting Carolina and then driving their feet after contact. That's not relevant to, are they good or the other team good or not? That's a you thing. And that's why I say it's more about Notre Dame. And so will we see that? Those are the things that we are that we are going to kind of see in this game, Ryan, is we're going – and that, to your point, we're going to know early. Is Notre Dame coming off the ball with force? Are yeah. they coming off the ball and driving their feet? Are they working those combos well? Are they getting a push to the second level? Even if they're, you know, three runs – because that first drive, they were like three runs, two runs, but you're like, you know what, they're about to pop a couple because you mm-hmm. could just see them getting that push. And I think that's that's where I think, Ryan, you're spot on about how this is going to go. It wasn't until the third drive that Notre Dame really started to kind of get going. And it really wasn't until the third drive after the Drew Pine scramble that they yep. started to get going. But you could you just knew the, the foundation was being laid. And that's what I think is what we're going to see early. Now, it may not pay off right away. Maybe they don't go right up and down the field the first two drives and put touchdowns on the board. I hope they do. But I think you what you will see right away if that's the case. And that's why this is a, a again, we're gonna spend a little bit more time on this matchup than all the others because I think this one is the biggest key to this game and could be the biggest key to the the, the run. Cause again, this isn't just about BYU. This is mm-hmm. if you do what you're capable of on BYU, then okay, watch out, Stanford, watch out UNLV, watch out Syracuse, because this team's about to get rolling. And that's why this is important. And, and the first couple games too, Brian, like the offensive line struggled. Like we've documented that, right? It, they, it's been obviously better. And the, for the first time this season, they put it pretty much on a full game scope against North Carolina where you're like, okay, they, they took a big step. They played well, good football. But I think there's still two outcomes that could happen here, if I'm being honest, right? One outcome is that Notre Dame is like, oh, wow, we did it. You know, like all right, now we can get rolling or, or a little bit. And that could be – that could go two of way, two ways. One way is we're feeling ourselves a little bit too much and we're not preparing ourselves adequately to play against a better team. And then the other way is that now our confidence is exuding, it's through the roof, and now we are going to dominate moving forward, right? So I am interested to see what the Notre Dame offensive line looks early on in this game. I want to see if they have the same tenacity and demeanor to themselves or if they think they've I don't want to say arrived because, they, again, they only, they only won one football game in a somewhat impressive fashion. But I think that there can be a false sense of like, wow, that was pretty easy, if we're being honest, yeah. right? So I, I'm really interested to see just how much of a – not an emphasis, but how this Notre Dame offensive line comes in and how they play early on. Because I'm, I'm hoping that you see the aggressiveness, the physicality. If you do, I think Notre Dame is going to be in a good spot at the end of this football game. But, again, that, that is something that we need to – see on the field before we get feel good about it let's move on to the pass game matchup this is going to be the pass game Notre Dame pass game against the BYU pass defense now these numbers are very interesting 
because on paper, this is a huge advantage to BYU on paper. And, and rightfully so. They've been a good pass defense this season. They were a little up and down last year. At times, I thought their pass defense was good. At times, they got they got beat up a little bit. But they, when they're good, they're good. And the thing that surprises me is they've been good as a pass defense for most of the last two seasons. At times, really good. At times, okay without being a very good pass rushing team. They have nine Mm -hmm. sacks in five games. That's not good. As you see, it ranks 83rd. They only had 20 last year, Ryan. They had 20 sacks all of last season. And and so you look at it and you're like, how are they good? Well, one thing is they they get up early on teams, and then they can just kind of sit back and keep everything in front of them. They're a pretty disciplined, well-coached secondary. They compete. I think they've got good size in the secondary. I think that's important. I mean, you look at their starters, they're 6'1", 6'1", 6'1", 6'1", 6'0". Their backup corners are 6'2", and 5'11". Their nickel's a 5'11", kid. They're long, they're rangy. They're not super athletic, but they're better athletes than I think a lot of Notre Dame fans appreciate. You know, And, and so I think this is a this is an underrated part of their team. And, and it's, it's, they're, they're good kind of across the board, right? I mean, they're good with yards per attempt, yards per completion, uh, yards per game. They're good at uh, part of it also is the other, the other side of that is part of the reason that their, their past defense has been decent this year is because they really haven't played anybody that's any good at throwing football. I mean, and, uh, that's, that's the other part of it, you know I mean? in context in this matchup is really, really interesting. And so when you, when you look at, at BYU and you look at who they've played, South Florida ranks 113th in the nation passing offense. Wyoming ranks 121st in the nation in pass offense. Utah State ranks 104th in the nation in pass offense. And then Baylor is the second best passing team they've played this year, at a, and they rank 67th in the nation at passing offense. The best pass offense they've faced all year is Oregon. Mm-hmm. And Oregon, Bo Nix went 14 of 20. Actually, I don't even know if that was Bo Nix because I think they might have actually had to back up in late in the game. But Oregon went – 14 of 20 against against BYU. Yeah, Bo Nix only went thir- Bo Nix went 13 of 18, which is 72.2% completion percentage for 222 yards and averaged 12.3 yards per attempt. Wow, they made Bo- they made Bo Nix look good. They must yes. be bad. Yes. Dude, stop. Stop. <laughs> I don't know if you've paid attention since the Georgia game, but Bo's been pretty good. Um, nah. but as a team they went 14 of 20, which is 70% completions, 227 yards. Their backup came in and threw a pick. And, and even with the backup not playing well, they averaged 11.4 yards per attempt. So they've played one pass offense with a pulse this year, and mm-hmm. they didn't have a lot of success against it. Now, Oregon's pass offense has been a lot better than Notre Dame so far. Oregon ranks 41st because let's be real, folks. You look at Notre Dame yards per game, they're closer to Utah State and Wyoming than they are Oregon and Baylor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so – I mean, so that's the thing is like, say, well, they've played bad teams. Well, has Notre Dame given us evidence that they're not a bad, a bad pass offense, right? And that's the other intriguing aspect of this matchup because on paper, Ryan, this isn't close. This is a huge BYU advantage. Yes. But uh, again, but again, context matters for both teams. And number two, this goes into the, what version of Notre Dame are we going to see? Are we going to see the North Carolina version with maybe a little bit improved play from the wide receivers, hopefully different receivers in the field, or are we going to see the pass offense we saw the first three weeks, which is dink and dunk, and that's going to be an interesting part of this because BYU does a pretty good job of protecting against the deep ball, but there are opportunities if you can scheme them up right to get some big plays, 
And, and I think they're vulnerable to some of the stuff that we saw North Carolina vulnerable to with some of the back stuff and the misdirection stuff, because they are, once they diagnose, they are pretty aggressive getting downhill. Mm-hmm. And I think that opens up some opportunities. So this is such an intriguing aspect of to match up, Ryan. Especially, I mean, there's a lot more opportunities, especially if the run game comes to play, right? If the offensive line's firing off early on, there's going to be, I mean, the safety is going to have to creep up a little bit. You're going to have to take some chances in one-on-one. I'll say this, though, Brian. I was really impressed by the BYU secondary because I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. Because, yeah. like, again, I didn't I didn't look at the numbers before I started, and I didn't know any of the starting secondary players. Like, I knew Tyler Beatty. I knew Peyton Wolgar. I knew some of the linebackers. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any of the defensive backs, if I'm being completely honest. And I'll say this. Caleb Hayes was probably the biggest surprise I had when watching film, the Oregon State transfer corner. Yeah. I thought he is a, I mean, six foot, 195 pounds, pretty good size, but he's a really sticky, good cover man, man. Like he's pesky is how I would mm-hmm. refer to him, right? And I think you kind of get that in the whole level of the secondary. Like they're just really solid football players, man. Like I don't think that there's anybody that stands out that you're like, wow, that guy is a, next level dude that's an all-american like all that type of stuff but they're just they're good a good really good college secondary in my opinion like i think that they play good for what they are so caleb hayes is a good football player the rest of the secondary is dependable don't give up a ton of explosive plays play with good discipline on the back end so this is one where notre dames has to be able to take advantage of the opportunities they do have because you're not going to get this team out of position secondary wise a ton in my opinion, but when you right. do, you have to capitalize on the opportunities because to your point, Brian, at the end of the day, Notre Dame's wide receivers and pass catchers are more athletic than what BYU has sure. in the back end. It's just BYU is playing more technically sound football. That was also true against Marshall and yes. Cal and right. Now here's the interesting thing. Do you know how many plays Caleb Hayes played against Oregon? I don't. The, the answer is eight. Wow. He's got hurt in that game. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't play against Wyoming the next week. So it's not a coincidence that the one game where BYU gave up a lot of success in the past game, one lot, like a lot of yards, it was only 227, but they didn't throw a lot in the second half because they had a big lead. But their best cover player only played eight snaps and then didn't play the next week. So again, it, you, you look at it and say, if put it like this, if Notre Dame played a game without their best player and didn't have success in that game at the position he plays, but then we're really good every other every other game that he's played in, you'd say, hey man, that's not really who we are. We we didn't have a good game because our best guy didn't play. Well, that's exactly what we see. We're going to see against BYU, and so to me, it's this ties into the previous breakdown. If Notre Dame doesn't have success running the ball, and this game becomes about the Notre Dame receivers. And Drew Pine ripping up the BYU defense, that could be a problem mm-hmm. because it is a smart, experienced, very experienced, savvy group of players that are long and physical in coverage, but not physical to the point where they get grabby. Mm-hmm. You need the run game to have success. You need to get the safeties thinking about more than just covering Michael Mayer and the, the receivers and then get yourself in some one on ones. I think that's where Notre Dame can have, can scheme up some success. And then at the end of the day, the receivers have to play better. Simple as that. As a group, they have to play better. And if they don't, then they're going to have some problems. Now, Tom Reese can help that by putting certain guys in the field and using other guys. Like, this is a a great – this needs to be a great tendency breaker game for Notre Dame in the pass game. Because they're going to look at you and they're going to say, 
Okay, 87 you're going to throw to, but 9 and 85 are zero, have zero targets all year. So if 87's in the game with other tight ends, we don't need to worry about those guys mm-hmm. because they're not they're not factors, right? When we see 29 in the game, he's not really a factor. You know, there's certain aspects where when Notre Dame has certain personnel on the field, you know that guy ain't getting the ball in the pass game. This needs to be a game where you go 13 personnel and throw a couple times in a row. You know, out of different looks and say, hey, you can't zero in on us. It needs to be a game where you put 15 on the field and they're not going to be prepared for him. And you get him a couple shots down the field to loosen them up. Those are all things that that good coaches do coming out of the break. That's why self-scouting is important. Hey, look, guys, we have literally not thrown a ball to our number two and number three tight ends that are in the game right now. And we've only thrown three balls to our number two tight ends all season. That that can be something to our advantage. You can look at it and say, you know, hey, we're not doing it right. Or you can say, hey, this is something we can use to our advantage, especially with like a guy like Eli Raritan, who has been a really good blocker so far for Northern, by far their best blocking tight end. So that's where a play action shot could be a big play, a, a, some kind of, you know, movement action where he's off on the backside or front side and he's blocking the edge and he sneaks to the backside. Remember that play that they did against Stanford in 2018 at the end of the game? That Alize kind of blocking Ian kind of rolled out. Alize blocked and then snuck backside, and Ian just threw it back. Yeah, caught it right to the end zone. Yeah, it's just a little tight end leak, man. That's right, all it something is. Like, like it's that. Great. Right, yeah. we know Notre Dame has that in their repertoire. That's the that's the point. Tommy was on that staff, so I think there are some things that you can do in this game that are great tendency breakers mm-hmm. that you can take advantage of and steal some yards early. And I think if you can do have a have a big tent because I say this, Ryan, you know this is a defensive guy. You you played defense. You you were a defensive coach. Yep. When a team comes out and rips you with a tendency breaker, that puts you on your heels big time. Mm-hmm. Because now you're on the sideline scrambling, like what the heck just happened? You know what I mean? Yep. And now you're not thinking about we're coming back the next series and we're going back to our bread and butter and we're doing this. I think that's going to be a really important piece of this. But as I said at the end of the day. Drew Pine's got to be every bit as decisive and accurate as he was against North Carolina, and the receivers have to play better because all those things can steal you some yards, but at the end of the day, you can't steal yards 12 times, 13, 15 times. You're, you can steal yards for two or three big plays, like we saw against Carolina, the the leak from Logan Diggs, the, the throwback bootleg pass to, to Logan Diggs. You can do that. You know, you saw it against Cal with, with Estime and, and, and Tyree. You can't do that 15 times. Yeah. You know, those will get you a couple big plays, which for Notre Dame set up points, but the only scored 24 points against Cal, right. right? And so it comes to using that to then bolster opportunities for Lorenzo Styles and Braden Lindsay, hopefully Tobias Merriweather. Those things are going to have to be a big part of this, Ryan, because I promise you one thing, with BYU's length and athleticism, you had two guys listed in your breakdown today mm-hmm. that are kind of like safety or former safety type of guys or long and rangy type of guys that can run with Michael Mayer more than what we've seen so far this year. Not saying they can run with him like, you know, he still has an advantage, but they're long and athletic and veteran enough where they can say, hey, we're going to we're going to have some things for 87. Somebody else is going to have to beat us. Yep. And that's an interesting aspect of this of this, Ryan, that's going to make this a very. um, Hey, Tommy, you you got a chance to do some fun stuff this week. Let's see you do it is where I'm at. There's two there's two things I'm looking forward to seeing. One is to your point, like, I mean, I I talked about Caleb Hayes already, right? There's. From a fundamental perspective, I think the cornerback position is more proven for BYU or the secondary is just more proven than what Notre Dame has at wide receiver right now, right? There's talent advantage is clearly, in my opinion, in Notre Dame's favor. But at the end of the day, Brian, like 
Caleb, like you have, you're gonna have a one-on-one ma- matchup with Caleb Hayes at points, right? And you're gonna have to win those, win those battles, man. Because right now, on paper, I'm just kind of like Caleb Hayes probably has the advantage whenever on whoever he's playing right now. Like on paper, yeah. that's what that's what the film yeah. tells me. But Notre Dame has more talent. They just need to actually make a play, like sure. at the end of the day. Sure. And then to your second point there, which is where I wanted to kind of start it out with. The tight end position for Notre Dame is very interesting in this football game. Because like you said, BYU has some longer athletic kids on the second and third level, like Tooley that we talked about. Peyton Wilgar will do some stuff in space. Bywater can run a little bit. At in, at in, he plays a little more inside, but he can still cover the seam up a little bit. I think that they'll have a plan for Mayer. But if you're in a multiple tight end sets, let's say that they're with Mayer and Raritan on the field, for instance, or Rare or Mayor and stays. It doesn't really matter. What is the sec? What is the what is the matchup that you're going to go to against the second tight end for Notre right. Dame? And I know, like you said, Notre Dame has not targeted either one of those players at this point. But I felt like for the last couple of weeks, like it's coming with Raritan. Like I, it has right. to be coming soon, in my opinion. Right? So you think <laughs> you would hope? I mean, so if you're if your second le- if your best athletes on second level are going to occupy Michael Mayer to the safety level. What are you, what is the plan with the second tight ends? I don't know what the plan is with that for them. I think they have to make a decision if Notre Dame shows the ability to work the second tight end in these 12 personnel sets. I don't know if that'll be a point of emphasis. It's just something that personally I'm interested to see because I don't know what the counter is if Notre Dame shows the ability to work both tight ends in the passing game off of multiple set. I, I I'm just curious to see mm-hmm. how that how that how that wrinkle works into this football game. Because if you look at their numbers. And and again, we've said the one area where I think be where I think pro football focus provides a little bit of positivity and help is their their tracking numbers. Their safeties rarely get targeted in the pass game. Why? Because they don't cover a lot. They either play over the top or they're playing in the box, right? So you've got to find ways, Ryan, to your point, what will be their answer? Who's going to be king on this the number two tight end? It's going to be the alley players who are reading for run diagnosis. Who's that? It's the safeties. That's the one matchup that I love in this game for Notre Dame. I think I'm, I'm on Hanneman is a solid football player. I think Malik Moore is a solid football player. Hayden Livingston plays a lot of football. They use three different safeties a decent amount. Micah Harper plays. Most guys don't get targeted very often. Why? Because, again, they're, they're not used that way a lot. If you can find ways to get to get a Raritan or a Holden Stace uh, or even a a Braden Lindsay or Lorenzo Styles in the slot, find ways to get matched up against their safeties. That's where you can get some big plays. And that's where I think that number two tight end matchup is going to be important because you know, they're going to have a Michael Mayer plan and they're going to have a running back plan. Notre Dame has averaged 88 receiving yards a game the last two weeks with their running backs. They've had at least, they've had over a 30 yard gain in the past game with their running backs in each of the last two games. And they would have had another long gain if it wasn't for the end zone stopping Chris Tyree after 21 yards. Right. I mean, he was going to, if you were running that play from your own 20, it's an 80 yard touchdown. I mean, that's how open Chris Tyree was. So you've seen that now three times in both of Notre Dame's wins. Who are they going to be using to, to, to stop that Ryan based on what we've seen, I would assume that it's going to be the linebackers. So you're going to have the linebackers really occupied with Michael Mayer and your running backs. Mm-hmm. That That's why I think Notre Dame, if they're willing to be creative, 
and use personnel. We see good teams do this all the time. Hey, we know where we're good, and we know that they know where we're good. So here's what they're going to do to to defend that, and we've got some answers for it going into the game. And that's where I think you can get some really interesting matchups with your number two tight ends. Because do you really think BYU is like, hey, guys, let's make sure we're ready to stop Eli Raritan and the Holden Stace this week? With the, with the whole right. zero combined with targets. The whole zero have. combined <laughs> targets, exactly. Uh, no, they don't. And and so that's where I think Tommy has to be able to have some opportunities to make some big plays. We'll see if he does it or not. I don't know. I have my doubts, but I'm I'm still you know cautiously optimistic that we see Coach Reese really get things turned around this week and start to be the guy that I know he's capable of being. But, uh, you know, again, we're in show-me mode, man. We're in show-me mode. That's it. So uh, this matchup's interesting, Ryan. I think this one down here, the, the sack matchup right here is also interesting because Notre Dame, like, the sacks they've given up, like they gave up a, a, a decent amount in the first two weeks. They gave up mm-hmm. a lot of pressures the first two weeks. Last two weeks, they've been pretty good at protecting the quarterback. What I don't know is, is that because Cal and North Carolina aren't good at protecting, which I mean, at pass rushing, which they're not. Well, neither is BYU. I think that's a part, too, is you've got to be willing to give Drew Pine time. If Drew Pine can sit, get into a rhythm and have time, then I think he'll have a lot of success. This is a matchup that I think Drew can thrive, and we've seen it happen. I mean, you know, they've been pretty good this year against the pass defense, but, you know, we saw Arizona go for 345 against them last year. We saw Arizona State go for 265, completing over 70% of their throws. They just turned the ball over too much. We saw Utah State throw for a bunch on them last year. We saw for Virginia rip them up last year in the past game. You know, we, we've seen them have, have be vulnerable at times to throwing the football, but what they're very good at is they're very good at forcing turnovers in the past game, and they're very good at, at you know, being disruptive with the, the different schemes. So if you – it's kind of like they're either really good against the pass or they get ripped up. And a lot of it has to do with the game plans and the, the ability to find the matchups that work for you. What's also interesting, Ryan, is if you look at the last couple of years, their linebackers have picked off. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five. Their linebackers have picked off nine passes in the last two years, last year and this year. The, they've got four interceptions off the year. Both, all four of them were made by Max Tooley and Ben Bywater. I know I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And then last year they had five interceptions. So they had 15 interceptions last year. They had more interceptions than they gave up touchdowns. They had 14 touchdowns allowed, 15 uh, interceptions. You had Peyton Wilger had Wilgar had two. Uh, Chaz you had a, had one. Remember him? Drew mm-hmm. Jensen had one and Max Tooley had one. And they even had a D lineman with an interception last year. So they're, they're front guys. And a lot of that is because they'll get tipped balls because they've got really long D linemen who are holding up space. And so they're, you know, read the quarterback's eyes, get your hands up. That's a concern with a six-foot quarterback, right? The other one is their linebackers do a really good job of getting up underneath routes. And really, and you think, like, at the snap, you think, hey, I'm throwing this this curl route here because of how this team's lined up. And then those linebackers just fly out underneath that thing and pick that sucker off. Or yeah. they'll tip balls, you know, that, that, that they'll pick off. So that's going to be an interesting part of this, too. You've got to protect the football. Got to protect football. Drew Pine did a great job of that the last two games. Uh, outside of what one play, mm-hmm. right? The fumbled snap. You've got to continue that against BYU. No question about it. I, the sack talk's going to be interesting, Brian, because, like, I mean, like you pointed out, BYU is not great at getting after the quarterback. And for just a one versus one comparison here, 
when you when a team is struggling at something, this isn't the week that you want it to become a strength, right? Like you want right. to be able to to just let them continue to not be an effective pass rushing team. And I think when you look at their their the this lineup that they have, they don't really have a one on one pass rusher that that gives me worry that like, hey, Notre Dame, you know, has a disadvantage at that spot, right? Like, I mean, we mentioned Tyler Beatty, who I think is a is a good football player. I know he was limited last week, obviously. But he's not a one-on-one pass rush kind of guy. No. He's a physical five technique, like four right. four I. Like he's going to do that dirty work type of stuff, right? Like that's what his role in this defense is. I don't think they really have a guy that I say one-on-one, he's an issue, right? Like there's no Isaiah mm-hmm. Foskey on this football team. There's nobody even close to that regard. So Notre Dame offensive line-wise, we talked about the big emphasis on the running game. We also need in the pass game in order – this needs to be a clean pocket for Drew Pine all day because if it can be, I think they're going to have opportunities. And right now, BYU has not shown you for through the first handful of games that they are effective getting after the quarterback. And if they are not, then they have to start worrying about like, hey, do we bring some second-level pressures? Do we mix and match stuff? Are we going to blitz Peyton Wilgar, put him on the line of scrimmage more? Then you have to – you kind of get out of your comfort zone a little bit. So interested to see – if Notre Dame can continue to make the pass rush, which has not been a strength to BYU, and I continued, I, I don't want to call it a weakness, but not a strong point for him. But that's why, to me, Ryan, the run game is so important. And, and you know, to me, when you look at the run game, what BYU does that gives them a lot of success is they drop a lot of dudes in coverage. They don't care about rushing the quarterback. They, they re- I mean, schematically, they, it's just not an important thing for them. It, I mean, you, you saw it last year, you saw it this year. They're just not a team that, 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 really puts a lot of emphasis on trying to find ways to get after the quarterback. As I said, last year in 13 games, they only had 20 sacks. Four of them came – well, really, eight of them came in the first three games. Yep. And, you know, against Arizona – or, you know, had four against Arizona, two against Utah, two against Arizona State, and then they had three in the bowl game against UAB, and they didn't do a whole lot beforehand. The year before, they only had 26 sacks. And the funny thing is, you know who they had the most sacks against that year? Navy. And five against Navy. That's bizarre. Right? You know, and, and the year before that, in 2019, they had 17 sacks. Five of them came in the bowl in a in a, uh, a bowl game against Hawaii. The year before that, 27 sacks. Nine of them came in two games against New Mexico State and UMass. Get the point? This is just a team that doesn't really put a lot of emphasis on rushing the quarterback. Now, they drop a coverage a lot. They'll drop eight. But the big key is if you can run on them, Mm-hmm. And get yourself in second and short, third and short, like third and two, third and threes, where they have to respect your run. That's where you can create some of those big play opportunities. But if you're finding yourself in third and six, third and seven, especially with a quarterback who's not a, a guy that's going to really scare you with your legs, his legs, then they'll just drop seven, drop eight, and have their big six, five defensive linemen get their hands up and not give Notre Dame six foot quarterback lanes to throw to through. So I think those are the issues, and that's why the run game is going to be a very important piece to this part of the pass game. Because if you can keep them – you, it's like this. The first down success in the run game has to be important. But I would also argue that if the run game first down success is there, then that's going to open up opportunities for success in the pass game on first down. Because the play-action game, the screen game, the RPO game is really where a lot of Notre Dame success is going to come from in the pass game. If you're if you're 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 not going to have a ton of success just dropping back and ripping BYU up, I don't think. 
It's going to come off play action. It's going to come off RPOs, and it's going to come out of the screen game. I think that's where you have to have your success. That only works. All that stuff all only works if you're running the football. Mm -hmm. And and that's why that's so important for Notre Dame. Then last key, Ryan, let's just kind of briefly work through this one. This is the Notre Dame scoring offense against the, the BYU scoring defense. It's funny, BYU's 73rd in points, but they're 38th in yards and 29th in yards per play. Right. Yeah. They make you work for those points. They've had a they don't turn it over much on offense. They've had some special teams things that have kind of set up some points for them. There, th- this is an odd number for me, a very odd number. They've also had some points that teams have scored late in games. You know, I mean, you, you look at South Florida, you know, there's other games where the, the score the score was closer than the game actually was. I think Wyoming was a little bit that way. But you know, they're, they're a quality defense, not great, and these numbers reflect that. You can score on them. You can move the ball on them. You, you red zone. They're not that great. Third down. They're they're not that great. Notre Dame's been a great red zone team this year. They just can't move the ball. Right. That's been their problem. Right. If Notre Dame gets into the side of the twenty, they're going to score. And mm-hmm. with the exception of the first drive against Ohio State, they're mostly scoring touchdowns because I believe the second stop there, the non red zone score was a taking a knee. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, so, um, you know, so, so we, we've seen that. So you look at it and say, you know, this is a situation where Notre Dame, if they get in the red zone, they score. Yep. That should continue against BYU. Now the question is, can they get into the red zone? And I think that third down success is going to be the key. Notre Dame was terrible on third down the first three games. They were very good on third down in the fourth game. Get what was different about the fourth game than the other. They actually scored a lot of points. It's that simple. Now, all the stuff we talked about before, execution on first and second down, all that kind of stuff factors into this. But Notre Dame is not, right now, is not playing like a really explosive team that just doesn't get into third downs. They get into a lot of third downs, and they've got to move the chains on them. And that's that was important in the Carolina game. It's got to be important in this game. If they can do that, they should have a lot of success and be able to score on BYU. If they're struggling on third down, and BYU is a – is a can be a tough third down team at times if you can if you get behind the sticks that's a key for them is they want to they want to create incompletions on early downs get some run stops on for early first and second down put you in third and eight third and seven where they can drop into coverage yep. that's going to be a big key so you've got to be good on your early downs to beat them no it's so Brian I mean for me BYU's defense they win off of length right so we talked about the defensive line having a lot of length we also mentioned briefly the second level has a lot of length, right? So they're going to disrupt some passing lanes kind of with that natural length they have. Mm-hmm. And to your point, and I agree a billion percent, if there was a higher percentage that I could go, I get the affinity symbol out, I guess. But Notre Dame needs to win on first down. So that's yeah. been pretty consistent every game. You know, like that's not sure. like a, oh my, like a groundbreaking thing. Notre yeah. Dame needs to win, a, you know, stay in front of the chain. And it's not but, true for every team. If you're an explosive team, you, you, you're you always a threat to score. Notre Dame hasn't shown themselves to be an explosive team yet this year. Yep. That's what makes it so important, right? To, to your to your point, because some people say, "Well, it's always important." Not really. If yep. you've got if you've got huge, I mean, Ohio State doesn't need doesn't get in a lot of third downs, but if they are, they're, they're still can score a lot of points because they're a seventy yard touchdown waiting to happen in a lot of instances, exactly. right? Oregon exactly. was that way back in the day, right? There are teams that can just, hey, yeah, we get behind the sticks, but we're so explosive it doesn't matter because we're off seventy yard gain. Notre Dame hasn't shown themselves to be. That's how they Notre Dame was not a real efficient, great first down team in 2017 or 2015, but it didn't matter because they were a threat to score from 70 every time the ball was snapped. 
Yep. Right. This team doesn't have that yet. And so that's that. That's why I just want to make I want to make that point because I know how some people are going to respond. to. We got to always be good on first down. Not necessarily. Yeah. Sure. No, no, it's great context to have. So I would also say that the, the two points that you pointed out here that I wanted to cover up on a little bit was Notre Dame's third down percentage. Like you said, it's trending in the right direction because of last week, but it's been a spot where Notre Dame has struggled on third downs. And why is that? Because they're, if they're not running the ball well on first down or creating, ex, I don't want to say explosive plays because you just need good gains on first down. If you're not staying in front of the chains, you're going to make it a harder job for you to have a, a operable opportunity on third down in a advantageous situation. And BYU, for the most part, you know, I know they only rank 55th, but they've been a pretty good third down team to, to your point. Right. So I think that's one thing that where with how Notre Dame functions, running the ball, short to intermediate passing game, hopefully creating some explosive yeah. plays. I think you need to stay in those third and shorts, third and mediums, because I think that's the way, place that you're yeah. going to win in this football game. You're going to have an opportunity to create some explosive plays, but more than anything, Notre Dame needs to have sustainable drives, consistency, yeah. stay in front of the sticks. I think that's how you beat BYU. Well, the, the thing is, Ryan, we're still early enough in the year, to your point, and I, and I love that you went to the context argument, because to your point, Four or five games into the year, one bad game can throw off your whole statistics. And that's what happened with BYU against Baylor. They gave up 50% conversion rate, 9 of 18. 9 of 18. And their other four games, South Florida was 3 of 12. That's 25%. Oregon was 4 of 12. Wyoming was 3 of 11. And Utah State was 6 of 18. That's what killed Utah State. They could not convert third downs. And they didn't do very good on fourth downs either in that game. You know, Utah State went one of two. Teams have been willing to go for it on fourth down. They've had 13 fourth down opportunities, and teams have only have converted seven of them, right? And so, but a big part is because it, with the exception of the Baylor game, they have been pretty good on third down. I mean, that, that one game, one bad game. Now, the reason Oregon was still able to score points is because Oregon had big plays. Oregon used big plays, and that was the difference. Notre Dame needs to get to that point. I, I think that they can get to that point. You and I have talked about this, but the reality is they aren't at that point in time right now. Okay. And hopefully this is the game that changes that. But so far, you know, that's just not who they are. And and, and again, the BYU game, the BYU-Oregon game was a, a, a different deal. You know, I mean, they had a 10-yard, a four-play 64-yard drive to start that game against them. Uh, they had a you know, Oregon had an eight play, 75 yard drive again, had a long, a big play wrapped into that. And then they had a couple short fields they had a 35 yard touchdown drive in that game as well. They were up 38, seven at one point in time, you know, but they were able to use some big plays to have success against, against, um, against Oregon. So, I mean, against BYU, they had 50 yard gain to Troy Franklin. They had a 36 yard run uh, from Irving. Chase Coda had a 20 plus yard gain. Matebio had he's a tight end, right? Had an over 20 yard gain. Uh, Chris Hudson so. had over a 20 yard gain in the past game. Uh, so they were able to use big plays to set up their scores. Oregon didn't consistently move the ball up and down the field on them just by converting a million third downs. They were able to get some big plays that got them into to touchdown range and they were score points. So Notre Dame hasn't shown that they can be that offense yet. They're going to have to be able to do that against BYU. And 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 if they if they run the ball well, I expect them to be good on third down. Yep. I do. I do. And I expect them to have fewer third downs, to be honest with you. If they're good on first down running the ball and, th- and throwing the ball, if Notre Dame can dominate first down, they will dominate this game. I truly believe that. I do. Mm-hmm. 
I do. Because BYU is not a great third and three team against a team like this because of the type of matchups another name can do. So let's go to defense, Ryan. This is a this is the this is one of the most misleading statistical matchups I've ever done doing this. <laughs> I, I, I know where you're doing, going. I know where you're I, going here. Yeah. Well, let me hear. Let me see it. Let me hear. Let me hear you say it because I want to. BYU's running game is not no, very I'm, good. I'm talking. No, no. What I'm saying is the yeah. the BYU offense against the Notre mm-hmm. Dame defense is a is an advantage BYU mm-hmm. in most categories. Mm-hmm. Big picture, it's very misleading. And, and I yeah. want to kind of kick it off first why. Number one, we've talked about who BYU has played. They haven't played mm-hmm. very good defenses. Oregon's not a really good defense either. Oregon gave up 49 points to uh, Georgia. They gave up 41 points to Washington State. Needed a crazy fourth quarter comeback to come back and win that game. Oregon's a good football team. They're not Oregon of 2011 or sure. 2014, right? Or 2010, I should say. 2010 and 2014. Notre Dame, on the other hand, defensively, doesn't have impressive numbers. I'm, I'm going to go through all of these real quick. 68th in rushing yards allowed, 53rd in passing yards allowed, 62nd in points per game. A little misleading because of the pick six. 53rd in points per game or yards per game, 58th in yards per play. They've played much better than that. And here's the interesting part. BYU has played you know, South Florida. It's not really good on offense. They've played Wyoming. Not really good on offense. And, and I'm going to kind of give you some, some context here. Uh, we already talked about how those teams are in, in passing offense. But you look at South Florida, they rank 101st in scoring offense. You look at Wyoming, they rank 105th in scoring offense. Utah State ranks 120th in scoring offense. And Baylor right now ranks 28th in scoring offense. And let's be honest about that. Baylor ranks that high because they hung 69 points up on Albany and 42 on Texas State. They scored 20 in a loss to BYU, 31 in a win over Iowa State, and 25 in a win over Oklahoma State. They're not a great offensive football team. And so uh, they haven't played a lot of good offenses. And then Notre Dame, on the other hand, is a complete opposite. And I had this in my stacking up article for the, the Notre Dame defense, Ryan, is if you really look at the numbers and you consider the competition they've played so far, it actually puts the Notre Dame defense in, a, in pretty good light. Notre Dame has already played two teams that rank in the top 10 in scoring offense, total offense, and yards per play. That's Ohio State and North Carolina. They've also faced two top 15 rushing teams, and they've played two top 20 passing teams. And and so, like, the competition has been really good. Notre Dame held Ohio State to I'm, – I'm trying to find this number here real quick that I had. And I'm, did I put it in this article or did I have it in a different one? Give me – oh, here we – it's down here in the scoring offense. So, B, Ohio State has averaged 55.8 points per game this year against no, teams not named Notre Dame. Notre Dame held them to 21. North Carolina has scored 48.8 points per game this year against teams not named Notre Dame. Notre Dame held them to 32, and as we all know, it was 38 to 14 at one point in time. And they scored some garbage touchdowns late. So the quality of the competition is such that Notre Dame has held all four of the teams they've played below their rushing average. And, and, And except for Marshall, well below their season rushing average. They've held them all below their offensive average and points average. And, and so, yet they still don't rank really high because they've played some pretty potent offenses this season. But BYU is also a very potent offense, in my yes. opinion. They can be. Now, BYU, on the other hand, I think is a dangerous offense. And the other thing that makes this misleading, Ryan, is they're only averaging 23 points per game against the two Power 5 teams they've played this year. Mm-hmm. That's it. 
But here's my caveat. Do you know how many snaps Puka Nakua played in those two games? Zero. Because he was hurt. He didn't play against Utah State last week. He is by far their best receiver. He's a legit, legit football player. He'd be starting at Washington right now if he didn't leave. He was playing at Washington. He wasn't like – he didn't leave Washington, I don't believe, because of playing time. He left Washington because that place was a mess. Like, put it like this. If Kalen DeBoer was the head coach at Washington when Puka signed, he's still at Washington. And he's one of the best receivers in the Pac-12, in my opinion. He's really good, and they haven't had him. I mean, you're talking about a kid, Ryan, last year that averaged over 20 yards a catch. You know, this year so far, Puka's got four catches for 48 yards, and Gunnar Romney didn't has missed the first four games. He didn't play until Utah State. That's their yep. two best receivers. They didn't play against Baylor, and they didn't play against against Oregon. That matters, right? It's hard to score on good football teams, especially good defensive teams like Baylor, if you're not having your best receivers. You know, last year, who was the number one and two receivers for BYU last year? Who was one and who was two? Puka was one. Gunnar was two. Who had 43 catches for 805 yards, 18, 18.7 to catch. Gunnar Romney was the number two pass catcher in yards uh, with 34 catches and 594 yards. And he did that in only 10 games. And he was 17.5 a catch. So you didn't have those guys against Baylor and BYU. Or Baylor and, and I keep saying BYU, Baylor and Oregon. <laughs> they will have them both against Notre Dame. So there's a lot of different context that almost makes it kind of hard to, or even like I don't even like want to go through these stats a whole lot because there's so much context that makes it look like you really can't gauge how good either team is. BYU's numbers will be, would, are better when Puka plays. Simple as that, sure. right? Notre Dame's d- numbers are better than they show because they've played some really good offenses. They've held well below their season averages, which makes this a really interesting matchup, Ryan, that I think context needs to be had on both sides. BYU fans need to understand – don't look at the Notre Dame numbers and think that's who they are because they've played offenses better than yours. And Notre Dame fans need to look at BYU and say, I watched them against Oregon. They don't have really any playmakers. Well, yeah, because their two best playmakers were standing on the sidelines injured. Right. And so that, that's of that fact that matters to me. And so that's what makes this really interesting. I mean, Brian, that's why we're film guys, right? Like film and context kind of all fit together, right? Like we know, I mean, it didn't, it took me about, 10 snaps, not even 10 snaps, maybe five snaps watching Puka Nakua to say like, oh, he's a good player, man. Like that's a good, that's a good football player. Like he's a really good football player. I mean, it's, it's just, it's one of those situations where you have to understand it's like right now, what would Notre Dame's offense look like even worse right now if they didn't have Michael Mayer for two or three of those football games, right? Like that's what it, that's basically what it is. I mean, cause I mean, Michael Mayer is the best tight end in college football, arguably, right up there with Brock Bowers. Like, take your pick on that one. But Puka Nakua's impact is Michael Mayer. Can I ask you something? Sure. Know how good Notre Dame played against North Carolina last week? Yes. Take Lorenzo Styles and Michael Mayer out of the lineup. It's not great, man. It's not great. That that's good. That's Gunner Rom. That's their version. That's what Gunner and Puka are for them. Yes, hundred percent. Right? That's the reality yep. of it. That and, yep. and they didn't have them in the two games against Baylor and Oregon. Mm-hmm. They didn't. So I think that's that matters. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm actually going to take this down, Ryan. Let's just kind of quickly go through the numbers real quick and let people see them. But yeah. I don't really want to spend a lot of time on the numbers of this matchup because, as I said, I think they're very misleading for both teams. Yes, and and don't are, aren't really truly indicative of what both of these teams are 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 on either side of the ball for for those reasons. But here's here's the part of this that is interesting when you look at the the on paper matchup and then the practical matchup for me is. When I look at BYU, I see a team offensively that they have a dynamic quarterback. Yes. And that is a position that has given Notre Dame a lot of problems. And he hasn't, they haven't had their best weapons. They haven't had their best weapons. They just, it's as simple as that. You can't take players that good. And, and Gunnar Romney's a compliment, but was it's Keanu Hill, right? Listen to 6'4, 215. He looks bigger than that. And you look at Chase Roberts, you know, he's got some decent numbers this year. Great, great last name, by the way. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and he's got 15 catches, 223 yards and a touchdown. Cody Epps is, you know, a freshman who's got 198 yards on 21 catches, three touchdowns. You know, their tight ends have combined for 18 catches and over 200 yards. The problem is for them is those guys have been asked to be number ones and twos when Puka and Gunner are out. Yeah. And Gunner's a complimentary player, too. Right, like if Gunner plays and Puka doesn't, Gunner's not as good because he's not a number one. He's a good route runner, good hands, you know, good size and that kind of thing. Puka is the key to me to this to this whole thing. Yep. But when he plays and Gunner plays, now all of a sudden Keanu Hill's the big guy that you can mm-hmm. throw it up to. Right, he only needs two or three catches for sixty yards because he he caught a couple balls or he's matched up against a a smaller corner. He just outplays you for the ball, which we saw happen in their name last week. You know, then you look at you look at like Chase Roberts. You put him in a complimentary role. You put the tight ends in complimentary roles. When you put the top two guys back in the lineup, all those other guys get bumped down the list. They don't have to be the guy now, and it makes them better in their roles. And so that's why I think this is a much more dangerous matchup than maybe people think. If you watch the Oregon game, just understand, imagine what Notre Dame would look like if you took Lorenzo Styles and Michael Mayer off their, out of their lineup. And that's what BYU was playing without. So – the, the other thing that surprises me too, Ryan, is I was expecting BYU to be a much more physical team this year nah. on yeah. offense, and they're not. The, really, Clark yeah. Barrington's the only guy that I watched that is really like a, boy, he gets after it in the run game. That's something to surprise me. They, are a, they, are, they look more like Lavelle Edwards' BYU than 
the more physical BYU we saw under Bronco Mendenhall. Yeah. And that surprised me a little bit. Even And, and even a noticeable drop-off since last year, right? I mean, Ryan, this is a team – you talk about they, – they're not really – you said it. You said it. They're not very good at running the football. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what you said. They're not not, and here's the thing. Let's let's pull their rankings back up just just for just for this I instance, know. right? It's, it's misleading, man. Look yes. at it. Yep. But, but you look at their rushing yards: 152.6 a game. But they rushed for a 314 yards against South Florida, 188 against Wyoming. They went for 83 and 61 against Baylor and Oregon, respectively, and averaged 2.5 yards per carry against both teams. Now, mm-hmm. again, when you don't have your big play receiver, it makes it easier to defend the run game, but not that much easier. Right. Like Notre Dame still would have run the football against North Carolina without Michael Mayer and Lorenzo Styles, maybe not as effectively because there wasn't the pass game threat, but they're not average. They're not going for 70 yards and 2.5 a carry yep. even without those guys. Right. But then you look at last year, Ryan, and, and they were a different team. 231 against their Utah, Utah, 221 against Utah State, 238 against Washington State, 385 against Virginia. Their bad game against a power five team last year was 167 yards and 4.3.98 yards per carry against USC in a road mm-hmm. win over USC. Even since last year, they've taken a step back from a physicality standpoint. They're more, for more, they're more focused on movement, like offensive line, like athleticism type of movement and pass blocking. I was really surprised at how, I mean, finesse they are up front. That was a really interesting part, which does not bode well for them because that's what North Carolina is. Mm-hmm. And and we saw what Notre Dame's front did to North Carolina's really potent running attack that is built more on zone finesse RPO stuff like that. Notre Dame just blew them up, and that's what BYU does. So I'm really yes. curious how B, how BYU counters that in this game, Ryan. Very interested to see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, we were texting about it a little last night, Brian. I mean, obviously, Tyler Algier was a big loss for them, right? Like, he was a fantastic running back over the last couple of years, especially last season for them. But And he's playing really well for the Falcons. I don't know if you saw, but he had 10 carries for yeah. 85 yards, I think, or something yeah. like that. So he averaged like eight and a half yards a carry. Yeah. And only his like we second game back. He went for 1,623 touchdowns last year. Uh, he was dynamic. Yeah. And I think that's where I want to start, like, Right. Losing Tyler Algier is going to take you back a step. Sure. You bring in Christopher Brooks from, from Cal, who is a steady, solid runner, he's right? He's, aver- he's a grinder. Yeah, he's, a grind. he's averaging six yards a carry, and that is just not what I see on film from this running game. I mean, right. to be completely honest, like he's a guy that's going to keep you on schedule, but he's not a guy that's going to rip off runs. Like he's nothing dynamic, right? right? Like that's what I wrote about him. You know who the other big play runner has been this year, Ryan? Jared I mean, Hall. You know this. No, no, no. Oh, po- Puka Nakua. Puka. <laughs> yeah, true, true. He went for 75 yards on a jet sweep the first play of the game. Or first he's got play more, of the season. I mean, I know he's I know he's played very limited, obviously, with the injury, but he has more rushing yards than he does receiving yards right now. He's yeah. got like two carries for like 80-something yards right Four now. For Four yeah. for 90 because he wow. had three for 76 against South Florida, two touchdowns, and he went one for 14 against Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It's it's interesting though, but but I, I mean to the offensive line point, which I think is a great thing to kind of harp on and talk about, right? Left tackle Blake Freeland, great foot quickness, incredible athlete, length. I mean, he's long. got a verified 35-inch arms, man. Like he is and he's six eight, right? I and mean. he's six eight. Former <laughs> former tight end quarterback coming out of high school. So he mm-hmm. is that blindside protector at left tackle, but what he struggles with is power like he doesn't co- yeah. like he does not counteract power very well really nice 
Athletic upside, though, no doubt. I like him a ton as far as like NFL draft circles. I think that that's a kid that you develop. He's a starting left tackle in the next level, but power is not his friend right now. And I wrote in the piece that I think that Notre Dame has some very advantageous battles on the defensive line versus offensive line, right? Because you have, look, Isaiah Foskey and Riley Mills versus a player like Blake Freeland. I'm going to take that matchup for Notre Dame just because they're so so much more physically gift, uh, like they're more physical football players. I think Mm -hmm. that they have an opportunity to, with natural leverage and just core strength, to win that game. Clark Barrington, I think, is also Notre Dame kind of plays into his favor because he is a mauling, mauling player at left guard. Strong. One of the best guards, if not the best guard they're going to face. Him and Andrew Voorhees, to me, are the two best guards they're ever going to play all year. Yeah, and I don't don't disagree with that But that sets up what you're about to say, though, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, he's a physical downhill football player, right? Like, he wants to create movement at the point of attack. What does Notre Dame have interior-wise? They have a bunch of guys that are really quick and athletic dudes. So I think that can provide some... Tough matchups for a guy like a Clark Barrington. Now, Notre Dame can't just go straight to his chest and be like, I'm going to win this match because that's not how you're going to beat Clark Barrington. Connor Pay, Harris Lachance, okay football players, but like Mm. they're the same things, man. Like they're plotters a little bit, right? right? Like I I don't think that they want to see a ton of speed inside. Harris Lachance is like 6'8", 300 plus pounds. Connor Pay is, I think, a true sophomore, if I remember correctly. Like they're just not great inside. And then the right tackle – Kingsley, who transferred from Oregon, was a, once a top-level recruit five-star, I think, by 247 Sports when he was coming out. He is, for me, I think he's going to be a really, really good football player when he puts it all together. But right now, he's a first-year starter, and he's a little green mm. right now, right? Like, he's a little green behind the ears. So you look at a player like him, I think that if you get – I think that this could be a big Justin Adam Alola matchup, man. Like, I yeah. think that he's the guy that could give him a lot of issues because he handles power better than Blake – but he's one of those guys where just the young person stuff, right? Like stops feet on contact at times, unsure of what he's doing at times, missed assignments, that type of thing. So all that to say is this – I talked about preconceived notions when we start the show, Brian. I think the preconceived notion is that BYU has this dominant offensive line. But I think when you look at it, I don't agree with it. There's a lot of talent on that offensive line. They're really good pass blocking unit. But the run blocking, I think, is very inconsistent. And I think Notre Dame has a lot of matchups that they can potentially win in this football game, defensive yeah. line versus offensive line. I think it kind of matches up well for Notre Dame. I'm going to say something else too, Ryan. I think a big part of the success Notre Dame has had running the ball in the last two games is they've gotten into to different personnel matchups with teams. We talked about this last week. When North Carolina went with their speed look, their 11-10 personnel, Notre Dame put Riley Mills and Jason Adamiola inside. When North Carolina went 12 personnel and put a second tight end in the game or an H-back in the game, Notre Dame put Riley outside, and they went with their bigger personnel. I think we'll see them do that against BYU as well. But here's the other thing. In the last two games, we've seen a lot more of a trio of guys that have played snaps together, Jacob Lacey, Chris Smith, and Gabriel Rubio. Now, Jacob Lacey's back to playing like he was before all the shoulder injuries popped in. He's been really good this year in a, in a, in a rotation role. We know about Howard Cross, and we know about Jason Adamula, athletic, quick guys, great hands. They've been – Jason you know, didn't play great the first two games. He played really well the last two games. Howard Cross has been good all year. But having the beef with Jacob Lacey, who plays bigger than 285, Chris Smith, who's over 300 pounds, and Gabriel Rubio, who's 300 pounds, those three guys combined for 24 snaps against North Carolina. And that's not necessarily a game where you're going to see them play a ton. Uh, Jacob Lacey, or the, the three of them combined for 38 snaps against Cal, 
who is an offense more geared towards a game for them, right? Yeah. But the point is, Notre, the big concern we were, we had was could Notre Dame match up with teams like BYU who were bigger and physical up the middle if you know with with only their athleticism. What those three guys have given Notre Dame is the ability to beat you with speed and then put big boys on the field that can handle your physicality. That has made Notre Dame's run defense so much better the last two games, having them as well as the athletic guys combined with the ability to match up personnel-wise with what teams are putting on the field. I think that is a big reason why. I mean, they've cleaned up some assignment stuff, right, Ryan? But I think Mm -hmm. that right there is a big reason why because the Notre Dame linebackers haven't made a ton of plays against the run. The shutting down the run the last two games has been literally 90% about the defensive line dominating. Mm-hmm. I, it, it has. And so that, and I think the ability to mix up personnel, Riley can play outside, inside, depending on what you're doing. You yes. know, having Chris Smith, he's been a much more impactful player than I thought he was going to be. Uh, having get, get, Now that they're starting to work Gabriel Rubio into the rotation, he brings you a 300-pounder that can eat up space and, and, and you know, knock head. I mean, the kid's got an old style. You see his face mask? <laughs> he's got that old style, like, single bar thing. I mean, he is I love like, that, okay, man. I'm I ready to that. fight you. I mean, that's yes. what Gabriel says just by the look, his look, and then he plays that way. And then the, the very next series, Notre Dame could put Jason and Howard Cross on the field together and outquick you. That makes them very hard to plan for and very hard to defend. And it's a bad matchup for BYU. Now they got to play to that matchup, but yes. I think it's a matchup that favors Notre Dame to your point, right? I think you, I think you explained that brilliantly. I think Riley Mills is a big, big player in this football yeah. game too. Cause I mentioned if he's working against a Blake Freeland in pass protection or just at the point of attack, I think he has an advantage from a power perspective, but then to your point, Brian, you move him inside, and he has a quickness and speed advantage against anyone on the interior, too, for BYU. So I truly think that we saw – I guess you can call last week his breakout game with the two sacks, I mean, two weeks ago if, if you want to against North Carolina. But I think this is the game where we get a true inside look into how impactful a Riley Mills can be as an inside-and-out player. Like, I think that yeah. he's really going to have a monster game against BYU. Yep. Agree. Agree. Pass game wise, this is going to be a much more intriguing matchup than it looks like on paper. And it's it, this is the this is the toughest test, in my opinion, that Notre Dame secondary will have faced since, with all due respect to North Carolina, since the Ohio State game, because North Carolina's kids are across the board more athletic than BYU's across yeah. the board, and Josh Downs is more explosive than Puka. He just is. Sure. Josh is still coming was still coming back from a knee injury that cost him the previous what three games, right? So, and the rest of their receivers, it's all scheme related. These kids know how to play. These kids know how to run routes. They have some size. This is going to be in a and BYU does a lot of stuff that can cause problems for a secondary that can be undisciplined, and that's an issue that Notre Dame has had against North Carolina. It's lack of discipline. Now, I hope that it's just a one-off because we didn't see that. But we also saw that a little bit against Cal, right? Mm-hmm. Cal got that cheap touchdown because Notre Dame wasn't lined up after the you know the, the questionable you know uh, catch ruling. Yeah. So they're going to do pump fakes on screens because they throw a lot of RPOs. They throw a lot of screens. They're going to they're going to stress the linebackers a lot with the pass game. But then they're going to do stuff off that. They're really good about. I mean, sometimes Ryan they'll. Like teams like this, and I've seen BYU do this, well, they'll actually go with a fake 
before they even run the screen because they know you've seen the screen on film. And they know you're going to be really amped up early to come up and take away that screen game. And they'll pump and then throw like the stutter go or the stutter wide fade outside. Mm -hmm. Right. You've got to be very disciplined against this group. Very disciplined. And and that's why I compare them a lot to Ohio State's receivers. They're different athletes. But the thing about Ohio, what I'm saying is the thing about Ohio State's pass game, it's more pro style but they're really good. They know how to run routes. They know how to play the game. They know how to work open where UNC is more scheme oriented and Mm -hmm. Cal's receivers are just young. They're at, they're really talented, but they're young. They're not the advanced players that Ohio state's guys are right. And so that's what I think makes this a challenging matchup. Plus you have a better quarterback at BYU than you had against Cal or Marshall. Now Drake may is really good. Don't get me wrong. But Jaron's a lot more. I mean, he's like what, 24, 25 years old? He's twenty four right Drake now. May's he's like 25. what, nineteen? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like this kid's seen some stuff. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. He's been he's been through the ringer. He's a twenty sixteen yes. recruiting class kid. Right. Think, so. Yeah. And and that's the thing is you got experienced, smart, well coached receivers, an experienced, smart, well coached quarterback. If you're not on top of your game, they can give you problems. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. So, you know, like, and Notre Dame's going to throw a couple freshmen out there. You know they're going to try to go after Benjamin Morrison with a double move. You definitely know they're going to go after J- – I mean, as soon as I see Jaden Mickey on the field, I'm like, I'm trying some kind of double move on him until he shows yes. me he can stop it. Until he shows me he can stop it. And, and BYU, right? to your point, is technically refined and that they will really sell those types of things, right? I mean, that's the biggest thing that I wanted to just kind of relay here because you mentioned it already, but – Poke Nakua is a really good football player, in my opinion, right? You got, yes. Then you have guys like – I know someone mentioned Chase Roberts in the chat. You know, I know he has a great last name and everything, but, like, he has – he's an advanced kid for only being, like, a sophomore, man. Like, he right. can – yes, I know. I, I see that. I saw that comment in the chat already. He's, he's Tenday nailed it. The, the comment was, for those listening via podcast, uh, Tenday uh, just – to, to uh, put a chat in there it says the average age is 24 brian they are not kids we are playing family man <laughs> that's, that's absolutely that's right not, not wrong but that, but that leads to it because that can overcome yeah. sometimes a lack of athleticism in some instances but please continue right yeah no i was just going to say like there's some technical refinement i think to these wide receivers i think if healthy you mentioned Gunnar romney we mentioned puka a ton chase roberts uh, there's kyle um hill the wide receiver like there's a lot of Good football players. I think Isaac Rex, when he's healthy, is a good tight end as well. I mean, you yeah. even you pop on like the 2020 film with Zach Wilson. I think he had like 11 touchdowns that year or something like that, right? Yeah. So he's a good football player. And then I really want to just say, Jaron Hall. It has been it has been awesome to watch Jaron Hall develop because he was obviously sat behind Zach Wilson when Wilson was banged up a few years ago. He came in and he did pretty well, but just the maturation from 2021 to 2022. Jaron Hall has become one of the best dual threat quarterbacks yeah. in college football. So Notre Dame fans do not sleep on this offense, man. Cause they, yeah. if you, if you're not right, they can score some points on you. Cause they are a very, they, they have talent offensively. They certainly from the, do. For those people that care about recruiting rankings, Puka was the number 48 player in the entire country yep. coming out of high school, according to 24 seven sports. When he came out, he is not a, I don't believe Puka had did a mission. I don't think he's one of the kids that's gone. He's a 2019 player. I so think he he's played have. all because he went to Washington first before BYU. Yeah. And a lot of kids go on the mission I, I before know, their freshman year, correct? I, I, yes. I know. Yeah. They usually have the two year mission before the, um, the right. LSD mission. But he didn't go so. to BYU at first. He went to Washington at first. Exactly. So he is a younger guy for BYU standards. Right. The right tackle, Kingsley, is also not a mission kid. And Blake also Freeland also. 
Yeah, right. and Blake Freeland, even though he's been there the whole time, he's also not a mission okay. guy for, for BYU as well. So there are some like that, but, but yeah. they got two kids on their starting offense that were top 50 national recruits. So it's not only these 25-year-old Kings, grown Kingsley men, was a, right? Kingsley was a top 10 yeah. recruit by 247, right. so, or which is, three. Which was a little nuts. A little but bit, yeah. yes, yes. But no, he 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 was a he was a top 50 kid. I don't think he was a top 50 kid, just me personally. I think he was sure. more of a top 150 kid because I think he's a little bit slow-footed to me, to be honest with you. But he's a talented kid. So the point is, is there's some talent on this football team. Like there's this perception, like you said, Ryan, that this is just a bunch of 24-year-old Mormon kids that just know how to play. And there is that, right? But the reason this offense is so good is because it's complemented by some talented kids. It, it is. Mm-hmm. And now the age has allowed some guys to mature. Like, I don't know if Jaron Hall would be as good now as if he'd have gone to a, a college where he didn't go on a Mormon mission, right? I don't know if he would have been as good in his final year when he was 21 or 22 as he is at 24, 25. Sure. You know, but that matters. But that's the reality of, of what Notre Dame is facing on Saturday. So uh, there are weapons there. Having said that, Notre Dame. This is not a team with a lot of speed. Outside of Puka, I think Miles Davis has some speed. He can run for a big kid. He's a 6'1", 210-pound back as well. He can run. Yep. Uh, Puka can run. The rest of their kids are just really smart, heady football players. And, and Jaron Hall's a, a, a kid that can hurt you with his legs as a quarterback. He's not a runner. He's a he's – you know who he is? He's their ver- – he's – as a runner, he's Ian Book. He's not going to do a ton of designed runs. He'll pull it and keep it a little bit more needed, but he is going to make his yards on third and seven and you lose contain and he steps up and rips you for 15. That's how he's going to hurt you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that's given Notre Dame problems. They got to be prepared for that. But this is a smart, heady football team that I'm still surprised that they're not more physical. That is the one thing that really surprised me. Cause if you go watch coach Sataki's early teams, they weren't real athletic and they, they, they really weren't that good, but they were physical Yep. And they've opened things up a lot offensively in recent years. And and I like what their offensive coordinator's doing. I think he does some nice things there for them. Uh, but they're they're gonna have to be able to establish the run against Notre Dame. They they cannot just if Notre Dame can shut down their run game and make this a pass game, this game won't be close. I, I really believe that because I don't think they're good enough on the perimeter. Like here's where North Carolina could do things to them that no, that BYU can't. Outside of Puka, they don't have other dudes that can just run by you like North Carolina had, where they can turn one little step mistake by Clarence Lewis into an 80-yard touchdown. BYU doesn't have that other than Puka, right? And I doubt Notre Dame is going <laughs> to overlook him in this game. They're guys that can beat you on third nine for a 15-yard gain. That's how they're going to beat you. So if you're smart, if you're disciplined, if you stay in your lanes, if you if you don't – like their, their big plays come from scheme. Mm-hmm. right and double moves and switches and all the kind of stuff rpos and all that if you play disciplined and you make them one-dimensional you can shut them down that's what byu did or oregon did oregon sh- completely shut down their run game now again they didn't have puka and gunner in that game which hurt their ability to then beat you in the past but even with them ryan i don't think they can beat notre dame one-dimensional i don't i don't think so either unless yeah. the notre dame offense just does nothing meaning let me rephrase the the offense won't be the reason that you lose to BYU. The, the BYU your your defense will not be the reason you lose to BYU if you shut down their run game and make them one dimensional. Mm-hmm. It'll have to be because Notre Dame's offense stinks and turns the ball over and stuff like that. Then you lose, but it yes. won't be because of the defense. I don't think they're good enough to beat you one dimensional. 
that's, I agree. That, 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 that's where I'm at at this point. And, and can, I, can I also say that I see people in the chat talking about Utah State and Wyoming, like close losses. You know what BYU also did in those games, guys? Uh, they won the football games, right? By Notre, double digits. Yes. Notre Dame lost to Marshall, so stop with the BYU only beat Utah State by 12 stuff. Notre Dame lost to Marshall, okay? They lost to Marshall. And, and you know, yeah, it, it's – yeah, this is what I was saying to you though. There's a there's this there's this percent plus. Are we not going to give any credence at all to the fact that they know Utah State's not good and they were already looking past them to Notre Dame and that's why they got caught early, but also why they rolled them in the second half? Because the game mm-hmm. wasn't nearly as competitive in the second half as it was in the first half. And and BYU also has beaten Baylor, which is a really, right. really quality. They're win seven so far and two against power five teams the last two years. Can we stop with the they're not yeah. very good stuff? Yeah. All right. I mean, you know. If you're gonna if you're gonna evaluate them off, uh, uh, you know, completely ignore the fact that they beat Baylor and blew out South Florida and all that other kind of stuff, you know, then then you know, I mean, I don't know what conversation we're having here at this point in time. So, you know, and, and Wyoming also is a team that beat Air Force, who's a quality football team this year. Air Force is a good team this so, year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is uh, you know, beat Tulsa this year, who's who's a good football team. You know, Tulsa's having a nice year this year. They're having a nice bounce back year. They're two and three, but you look at their losses, Cincinnati, they lost by eight to Ole Miss, and they lost by three to Wyoming, right? So, um, yeah, the, 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 this is a better football team than some of you think, mm-hmm. right? Now, this is also not a football team that if Notre Dame goes out there and plays their A game, can still beat them. There are teams like that, right? Clemson can do that. Notre Dame plays their A game, and Clemson plays their A-plus game, Notre Dame loses. Notre Dame plays their A game and Ohio State plays their A plus game or USC, then they're going to lose. If Notre Dame plays their A game and BYU plays their A plus game, Notre Dame still wins. I mean, that's the reality of it, right? But that doesn't mean that this isn't a good football team. And that's exactly. the frustration with some of the reaction. You know what I mean? Uh, so, anyway, I'm just going to go ahead and mute that right now. So, that's just getting on my nerves. So, we'll, we'll read the super chat, but you just got to chill out, man. So, Ryan. We've done the matchup. I think this is really interesting. I think Notre Dame has the the advantage over the BYU defense if they play like they did against Carolina. Yep. The the Notre Dame defense against the BYU offense is a little bit of a different story because I think a lot of it depends on how the Notre Dame offense plays. If Notre Dame offense comes out and plays well early, and we'll get into this a little bit more tomorrow when we do our keys to victory. But if you can jump on BYU early, I don't think they're as good of a come-from-behind team as North Carolina was. I don't. Yep. I, I don't, don't think so either. I don't think so either. Yeah. It's it, it again, Brian, like if we make this team one dimensional, if Notre Dame is able to make them one dimensional, I think that they have a very good chance to win the football game. It, Cause yeah. it's, it's it, like why well, watch the run game offensively for BYU. And although it tells me that they are a pretty good running football team, just didn't have that worry in me, man. Like I just right. didn't look at him and say that team is going to stress you and then make their passing game unlock. And they're going to play off of each other really well. I think if Notre Dame's able to take the run game out early, Again, Jaron Hall is going to make some plays. Puka Nakua, if healthy, is going to make some plays, sure. But to your point, I think a one-dimensional BYU team is – I think you feel good about that matchup in that regard. And that's what made them so good last year is because you you, you couldn't just go out there and play their pass game. You couldn't – because if you did, the running back was going to rip – I mean, he would rip you up sometimes anyway. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Which is why he's now starting in the National Football League as a rookie. Right? Didn't he have like a hundred yards? Didn't I see in a stat box he had like a hundred yards? It was. I don't know what he finished with, it. but at, at one point it was ten carries for like eighty-five yards or something yeah. like that. Okay. He was. Yeah, he's pretty good, man. Pretty 
pretty good. Yeah, player. He, he's and, and how old is is he? Was he an older guy? I don't think so. I think Algier. Yeah. I don't he's think normal, he was a Michigan guy. Yeah. yeah, he's he's only twenty two right now. I'm looking yeah. at his numbers now. So yeah, he's a he's a like you said a a, a, nor, a normal guy. A normal. Yeah, guy. <laughs> he finished with ten carries for eighty four yards this past yeah. week. Yep. So yeah, and he had a, a one catch for twenty yards. So. Uh, a game that Notre Dame should have the advantage on. Well, tomorrow we'll dive more into the keys. Tonight they're going to have a mailbag tonight. Uh, Vince and, and Sean will have a mailbag tonight. We're going to have a mailbag coming up next as well, so don't go anywhere. But tomorrow Ryan and I will break down the keys to victory for Notre Dame on both sides of the ball. Uh, we'll get into more specifics. We'll we'll have some film stuff for you tomorrow because we didn't do that yesterday. We'll have some film stuff to kind of show why these things are keys uh, for you tomorrow. Friday, we'll obviously have our, our prediction show. We'll preview the Notre Dame game. We're also going to talk a little bit about um, some of the other really interesting matchups in college football, Ryan, because this I, we've said this before. This has been a really fun year so far in college football. I think just at least on paper, some of the top-level matchups this week are very interesting. Some of the best we've seen. Tennessee plays at LSU. TCU plays at Kansas is a big game. If I'd have told you that – if you'd have told me that a month ago, I'd have laughed at you. You're like, yep. dude, Kansas – and B and, and TCU were are going to play in a top twenty matchup in October. I didn't like, dude. Awesome man. It's are we talking like is basketball season moved up this year? Like, are we starting basketball early in the season? Like earlier? Does it start in October now or something like that? But it's, it's a big matchup. We'll talk about that. We'll talk. T- we'll yep. talk Oklahoma and Texas. Here, here's the crazy thing: is there is a matchup of top twenty teams going on the Big Twelve this weekend, and it ain't Texas and Oklahoma. <laughs> That's so there funny. is a matchup of two unranked teams happening in the Big 12 this week. And guess who it is? It's Oklahoma, Texas. And and I just want to kind of LOL at the people that still gave votes in the top 25 to Oklahoma, yet Notre Dame didn't get any. Notre Dame doesn't deserve any. Don't get me wrong. But neither does Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Notre Dame lost two close games. Oklahoma's gotten rolled in their two losses. Because their loss to Kansas State was not as close as the final score. No, it was not. They scored late to make it competitive. Kansas State dominated that game. TCU dominated that game. Oklahoma stinks right now, and it, you know Texas is a is a stop away against Alabama from being ranked, and then just showing up against Texas Tech. I still don't understand that one, but that's a very curious game. We're going to preview that. We'll preview some other things. We'll do those tomorrow, Saturday, ten a.m. Sean and Vince will be back for the uh, the uh, countdown to kickoff matchup or discussion. They'll preview the Notre Dame BYU game and some of the other big games of the week. Talk about some different things and that what we've talked about. So we a lot going on here the rest of this week. So before we leave, and I just realized we had the IB nation sports talk thing up the entire time. Uh, whoops. So we will obviously, uh, t- we will have a mailbag next, but before we go, please hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell and share this podcast. <laughs> Thank you.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.